0: town preaching. And uh, and so we're going to take a break next week from our series on the kingdom. And then the following Sunday, we'll close out our series. Okay, so uh, looking forward to that. And then lastly, we're going to say another prayer here. Holly Fernandez, she has a big surgery this Thursday. Okay, so let's go ahead and, uh, and say a prayer and then we'll get into God's word. Father, we come before you this morning, grateful to be together, grateful to be in your presence and be able to worship you. Uh, God, we pray a special prayer specifically for Holly and for the Fernandez family. Please be with this surgery. I pray that it's a successful, effective surgery. God, please continue to strengthen and comfort them and help us to be a comfort in any way that we can. We love you and uh, open our hearts to your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm excited because... I think there's going to be a dance uh, toward the end of, uh, of the banquet tonight, so I'm excited about that, so excited to see, see who gets out there and, uh, you know, just, just see what happens, all right, see what happens. Dance like you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, amen? Amen? We'll see if, I don't know if my knee's really working, though, so I don't know going Okay, so... Uh, We're continuing our series on the kingdom, and I hope you enjoyed your snow day last week. Um, It's so funny, you know, having discussions with a bunch of the different guys on if we, uh, you know, cancel service or not because snow. Because you've got a guy from Texas in that discussion, so if there's one snow flurry, you know, everything's canceled, all right. And then you got you got a guy from Boston who uh, is like, guys, you know. You know, right. where's, where's your, seek first the kingdom, right? And then you got uh, Kevin Herka from Canada. So, but, uh, you know, hope you had a great Thanksgiving and a great holiday. And uh, we're going to continue in, in Matthew chapter 6. But I want to recap. We're covering a lot here, guys. I hope it's been helpful. I hope you've been able to digest at least a chunk of it, right? And uh, if you haven't, please go to our YouTube page. And uh, and get get caught up, okay? Um, It's a very helpful series. But let's go ahead and recap here. Um, We're living in this period, right? We're living in this period where we're in the midst of the current age and the age to come, okay? We got this little diagram here. Jesus came and he ushered in the kingdom, this new age. And it's in this process of being ushered in while the present age is still existing. And so the kingdom, the, the age to come, is kind of here, but not fully yet. And the current age is still here. and It's in the process of being done away with, but not fully yet. So it's kind of like owning a home, right? I own my home, but kind of, right? Sort of. I've got a mortgage, so I'm in the process of owning it more and more, you know. So that, that, that's a you know, kind of an analogy to it. But there's this tension, Because we've decided that we're going to live like citizens of the kingdom of God, not citizens of this world. And so there's a difference between the way we live and the way the world lives. There's a different standard that we hold ourselves to. There's a different set of rules that we play by. And so there will naturally be a tension. There will naturally be a difference. And so Jesus starts this Sermon on the Mount... With our hearts. And if you haven't learned anything, hopefully you've taken away that Jesus is going after the heart in this sermon. And so the first place he starts is it starts with our heart. It starts with our attitude. Being poor in spirit. Realizing how desperately in need we are of God. That's where it all starts. And then last time we were together, Jesus goes after the heart of some of the core teachings in the Old Testament. Things like... Do not murder, don't commit adultery, legal divorce, proper oaths, an eye for an eye, love your neighbor, things like that. And we talked about, Josh referenced it, how the Pharisees had kind of created a legal system around his commands and they had totally lost the purpose of his teachings. And it turned into, okay, what's the letter of the law? What do I need to do to be in the clear? And they started looking for loopholes and they just, they missed the point. And so Jesus first addresses their hearts and then he addresses the heart behind some of the teachings that God laid out. And he breathes heart back into it. Don't murder. Don't even be angry. Right? Don't commit adultery. Don't even lust. Make legal divorce. Don't, don't divorce. Make proper oaths. How about you just tell the truth the first time? Right? And that, that's what he gets after. And so what he does by doing this is he raises the standard. Of what it means to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so we have to constantly ask ourselves, guys, are we going to live as citizens of this world or citizens of the kingdom of God? And so today we're going to get into chapter six. And Jesus is going to draw out the depths of our hearts by addressing our motivation. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And there's this constant question of earthly versus eternal. Are you going to invest in earthly things or in eternal things? Are you motivated by earthly things or eternal things? And so the question we're going to ask ourselves this morning is, what motivates you? What drives you? What are you seeking after? Where are you invested? And he's going to look at two primary motivations that I think we all Deal with, And we're all driven by. So that's what we're going to look at today. The first one is the approval or recognition from men. Turn over to Matthew chapter six. We're going to start in verse one. In verse one, he starts it. Be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. What we're going to look at here is there are three subjects of Jesus' discussion in chapter 6. Giving, giving to the poor, praying, and fasting. And in fact, devout Jews, to devout Jews, these three things, giving, praying, fasting, they were some of the most foundational elements of Jewish piety. And these were considered as, as means to salvation. These three actions were kind of Equated to righteousness. And Jesus had no no, no issue with these three things. That's what we're going to look at. Jesus didn't have an issue with giving, obviously. Jesus didn't have an issue with praying or with fasting. That's not what he's going to address. But what he's going to show us is something that's really important for us to understand. It's possible for us to do the right actions with the wrong motivation and not please God. Think about that. You could do the very thing that God commands you to do, but have the wrong heart and the wrong motivation and it not be pleasing to him. Wow, isn't that strange? Hey, do this. Okay, I did it. Your heart wasn't in it. Let's read Matthew chapter 6. Let's read about giving to the needy. We'll start again at verse 1. Come on, Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Wow. You know, many of the rabbis practiced benevolent and charitable giving, and they thought that it was more important than any other commandment, second only to meditating on the Word, giving to the needy. But it seems that there had become this culture. Jesus kind of used the example of someone, hey, Hey, everybody, I'm about to give and blowing trumpets and announcing to everybody. And so it kind of begged the question, what was the point of their giving? What was motivating them to give? Was it to please God? Was it to help people? Was their heart that? Or was it just to gain recognition and position? And guys, we've got to ask ourselves the same question. Our righteous acts, what motivates us to live righteously? Are we driven by pleasing God? Or is there this part of us that wants to be recognized by somebody else? That wants to get approval for our righteousness from somebody in this room. Somebody in this world. What motivates us? And Jesus calls calls them hypocrites. That original word, that was the same word for an actor. It wasn't authentic they were playing they were were playing a role but they weren't being real they were doing the right thing with the wrong motivation and Jesus calls them fake so we've got to ask ourselves this morning what motivates me to live a righteous life is it to please God or is it to get attention from somebody else is your serving authentic, or are you just acting? You know, I, I think we, we all need to really evaluate this, guys. Even, even things like the Great Banquet that we have, which is an amazing event. I wonder if there was any of us in here that were like, I don't really want to go, but I know if I don't go, that I'll probably look bad. So I should probably make an appearance and show up. What do you think God thinks if that's our motivation? No reward from me. And so what is Jesus' What is Jesus's solution? Do it in secret. Why? Because think about it. A person that's driven by the approval of other people probably would not have much interest in doing righteous acts in secret. Why? Because you won't get credit for it from anyone, right? What motivates us, guys? What drives us as a church? You know, I, I really want to encourage Tay and Jackson you know, last week, we, you know, we knew that the, the weather was going to come. Jackson and Kaylee just literally were driving in town from St. Louis. Him and Tay, they run, they get salt, they come, and they salt the entire, you know, parking lot and the steps and all that kind of stuff. And, we, you know, we didn't even have church, right? But nobody, nobody knew about any of that. Nobody knew about any of that. That's the type of heart God's looking for. Right? The point is not, hey, do everything in secret, and if you tell someone it doesn't count. That's not the point, right? <laughs> the point is what motivates you. If Jackson and Tay were motivated to get credit from the whole church that, oh, man, thank you guys so much. for, They wouldn't have done it. But their motivation was, I, ser- I love God so much that I want to serve others. <laughs> guys, that's the type of motivation that we've got to have in living righteously. Uh, righteously. Amen? So then he continues on and he addresses prayer. Verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Prayer, much like giving, was woven into the very fabric of the Jewish religion. They had certain prayers that they memorized. They had designated locations for prayers for public prayers, and they had designated times throughout the day to pray. Jesus didn't have an issue with this. He didn't have an issue with memorizing a prayer. He didn't have an issue with praying at a specific time of the day. He didn't have an issue with public prayer. That's not what his issue was with. But what Jesus did have an issue with was the use of public prayer to gain position or recognition or reputation from other people. And so these times... They started as praying to God and they ended up turning into these times for people to say these long, fancy, wordy prayers to try to show people how spiritual they were and gain reputation in their eyes. Whoa, that dude can pray. Whoa, I can't can't pray like that. Right. And that's what it turned into. And I think we have to ask ourselves a question, guys. How much do you value your spiritual reputation? Because I think we can be driven by that more than we probably think we can. And I think this is especially true for leaders. It's not surprising when there's a leader that you kind of dig in there, and the basic stuff like having a quiet time in the morning is absent. Spending time with God. Because sometimes it can be easier to do the things out in front of everybody that you get credit for than just to do the basic things like spending time with God early in the morning. But those things nobody sees. Those things nobody knows about. Those things you never get credit for. Those things don't build your reputation. So they fall a little further down on the totem pole. Guys, we've got to be careful to not fall into this trap of being motivated by people. Being motivated by recognition. Doing righteous things to gain reputation. We've got to really watch our hearts, guys. And so once again, what was Jesus' solution? Go in your closet and pray. You really want to pray to God? You really want to connect with God? You really want a deep, intimate relationship with God? Go down to in your closet so no one else can see it but God. But once again, someone that's driven by the approval of people probably doesn't have much interest in that. Guys, let's live to please God. Let's not be actors and hypocrites. Amen. Then he gets into fasting. Verse 16. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is addressing fasting. They would have public fasts. Right? During these major festivals, everybody would fast. They would have individual fasts. The, the really religious Jews would fast twice a week, on, usually on Monday and Thursday. But they would fast for more than just food. They would fast from other pleasurable things, like putting oil on yourself. Like, you know, taking a shower. So you can so, so kind of what they would do is when they're fasting, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna take a shower. I'm gonna throw dirt on myself. I'm just gonna, you know, really disfigure my. Whatever. And Jesus is saying, no. How about this? Take a shower. Put some oil on your head. Make it look like you're not fasting. Because that's going to really show where your heart is at. Once again, guys, Jesus' solution to all this stuff, do it in secret. If you really love God, do it in secret. Don't tell anybody about it. Because that's going to show our heart. You know, the real when it boils down to its simplest form, the biblical reason for fasting is to humble yourself before God. So just the very act of them doing it for approval negated the entire thing. So God's just like, I, I would rather you not fast than to do it for other people because I don't, you're not going to get any credit from me. What's the point in all this, guys? What's Jesus getting after? The point isn't that giving or praying or fasting is bad, okay? The point isn't to anoint your head with oil when you fast. The point isn't to pray in a closet. The point is not don't tell anybody if you ever serve or don't post any pictures on Facebook. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus wants our hearts, not just our actions. Because it's possible to do the right actions with the wrong motivation and it not please God at all. Where is our hearts? What motivates us, guys? I think this is challenging for us because most of us, most of us are driven to some extent by a desire to gain approval from other people. Whether that's your coworkers, or your friends, or your parents, or your spouse, or your girlfriend, or your neighbor, or your boss. If we're all being honest with ourselves, we want to be liked by those people. Yeah. God's saying, I want you to be driven by gaining approval from me, Come on. not from everybody else. You know, when, when I, the night before I was baptized, okay, I was 14, almost 15. My dad sits me down. And he said, Willie, I think you should wait to get baptized because I'm, I'm nervous that you <laughs> might be too young. Now, my, I mean, my dad is my, my hero, right? He's, a, he's currently an elder So it's not like he's like, hey, I don't want you to get baptized. I think it's wrong. It was out of concern. But, man, I stayed up so late that night just wrestling with, Mm -hmm. maybe I am. Maybe I am. Oh, man, my dad thinks I shouldn't. And I had had to come to the decision of, you know what? I'm not doing this for my dad. And I think if I were doing that to please my parents, I would have listened to him. But I wasn't doing it to please my parents. I was doing it to please God. And I think that was a, kind of a, a first big test for me in my faith. But guys, college students, that's a tough place to get to of I'm going to make God happy even if that means my parents are going to disagree. Right. I would rather God be happy with me and my parents be unhappy with me. That's a difficult place to be in. And I think sometimes we can almost feel like, well, I don't think God would want that. I don't think God would... That, I don't know if that would be right. If my parents aren't happy with me or think something's wrong, I mean, they, they know so much more. Like, but I think when you read through the gospel, guys, living for Jesus, you're going to make lots of people unhappy. Right. Your friends are going to... Your spouse may be unhappy with your decision. Yeah. We've got to live for the approval of God. <laughs> Not of anybody in this world. Amen. So the next thing now, wait, 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 let me clarify here. Okay. What am I not saying? All right. I'm not saying I don't. Hey, my discipler thinks that I'm in sin. I'm not living to please my discipler, right? I'm living to please God. So, you know, who cares? Um, You know what? My heart's not in it. So I'm just not going to go this morning. Because if I go to church this morning, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to get credit for it anyway, so might as well not go. You laugh, but gosh, you'd be surprised, right? Well, my heart's not really in it. It's not my, you know, I'm just not so, what's the, you know. The solution is not, don't do it. You know what the solution is? Sounds like you're not poor in spirit. Sounds like you've forgotten how in desperate need of God you are. So why don't you go back to the beginning, get down on your knees, realize how sinful you are, how lost you are, how much you need God. And that might get your heart into it. Amen. All right. Moving on. This next motivation he talks about material wealth or success. Matthew 6 verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is dark, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And actually, the King James Version uh, translates this better. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And that word it isn't just isolated to cash. That word refers to any riches or possessions that we may look to for comfort or security or happiness. Mm-hmm. Guys, those I don't know, for those of you who are here a couple weeks ago, Jackson shared some stats about Black Friday. Look at, look at this. In 2015, on Black Friday in the U.S., $620 billion were spent. The following year, $650 billion. The following year, $680 billion. And in 2018... Somewhere between 720 and 750 billion dollars were spent in one day in the United States on stuff, right? We can so easily fall into this trap of thinking that stuff is going to provide us with happiness or security or whatever. And I have here in my pocket, right, this was Going to be the toy to end all toys. When I was a kid, I was walking down the aisles at Target with my dad and I saw it. <laughs> Tugged on my dad's sleeve, can I get this? My dad's common phrase, it's all going to burn. No, you can't get that. <laughs> dad, dad, please, please. No, you have so many other. You don't, you don't need this but if I had this I wouldn't need another toy ever this is it and it was a miniature replica razor scooter See this, thing? this was it it's got the grip on it just like the real one the handlebar extends the handles come out just like the real one. It's got a brake on it. Oh, my God. This, if I had this, I would play with this for the rest of my life. And nothing, I would never need a toy again. And you can get different colored wheels. And it comes with a little wrench that so you can unscrew and change the wheels. Wow. And you know what? This is what I got for Christmas that year. This. And then it's like, what can you do with this? You spin it. You like, do some tricks with it. And then after like a couple hours, it's like, let me change the wheels a couple times. Let me do different color wheels. And then, then what? Well, then they came out with another one. It was a different color. It was green. So I had to, you know... I found this two nights ago in a box that I was getting ready to just throw out. I haven't seen this thing for years, right? But guys, this stands for all that junk that we think, if I had this, then I'd be good. If I had that pair of shoes, I don't think I would need another pair of shoes. I think I could get five pairs of those shoes. Each one lasts me about two years. This could get me for the next ten years, right? This is this would be all my outfits would be completed with these pair of shoes. Man, if I had that kind of car, if if we could change to hardwood floors and knock that wall out and get granite countertops and do this and do this, we would. I would be so content. And then Chip and Joe come on and decide to change everything up, right? Now I need shiplap. I don't even know what shiplap is, but I need it in my house, right? And, and then if I have this, right? And for me, what I struggle with is most of the clothes I wear are like KU or Cowboys gear. And I'm like, this year the gear is awesome. And I don't think I'll need another sweatshirt ever. I get it for Christmas, and then next year, whoa. That's even better, right? Guys, this junk is not going to provide us the happiness that we're looking for. How can you find security in something that can go out of style like that or break like that? Like, what? What is this? Right? But guys, we all have this. We all have this. If I had that. And it's, it can be more than just stuff you buy. If I had that thing in life, I'd be good. Guys, we've got to be careful not to fall into this trap that the stuff of this world is going to provide us with the happiness that we're looking for. Look in First Timothy Chapter 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. It's all going to burn. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs guys what drives you what motivates you is it the stuff of this world we've even got we've got to be careful with even our education guys think of it Think of how much of our lives are driven by money. Guys, we've got to be careful. And Jesus gives a great insight here in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is interesting, guys. Your heart follows your investment. It is impossible To be invested in this world, but our heart belonged to Jesus. It's impossible because where our treasure is, where we are invested, that's where our heart is going to be attached to. So we've got to ask ourselves that question. Where am I invested? Where is my money invested? Where is my time invested? Where is my energy, my mental, my emotional energy? What dreams consume my thoughts? What consumes my time or my family's time? If you can figure that out, that's where your heart is at. The only way for the king to have your whole heart is for you to be wholeheartedly invested in his kingdom. Period. Guys, don't fall into this trap that thinking the stuff of this world. (laughs) Is going to be the answer because it's just not. What would happen? What would happen if we all just said, forget it? Who cares? I don't care what my neighbor thinks. I don't care what my co worker thinks. I don't care what my classmates think. I don't care what my professor thinks. I'm not trying to please them. I'm not trying to please my parents. I don't care what kind of shoes I have. I don't care how nice my car is. I don't care if I have the most updated model of kitchen, right? Who cares? I think that that could oh, that that makes me anxious, right? Like, oh my gosh. What what well, would I be happy? Would people think I'm weird? Would would my kids be happy? And then my kids, if my kids aren't happy, will they become Christians? So let me let me buy them a bunch of stuff and keep them happy so that way they'll be happy with me. Right? Look what and what, what does Jesus say? Therefore I tell you. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you have little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Guys, what's the solution? Seek first all things kingdom. Not just seek first church events in your schedule, right? Seek first all things kingdom. Your priorities should be God's priorities. That's what he's saying. Invest in a Instead of a new kitchen, invest in an intern. You could get an intern for the price of a new pair of shoes. It doesn't even have to be a new pair of a new kitchen, right? But, you know, invest in something spiritual, kingdom. Don't worry. God's going to provide everything that we need. So, guys, as we close out, that's what we've got to ask ourselves. What motivates me? What drives me? Am I driven by the approval of other people? Or am I driven by pleasing God? And how much am I invested in this world? How much am I motivated and driven by the things of this world, by the junk, right? By the little miniature Razor Scooters of this life. And guys, we have an opportunity here next week, I think, to put this into practice. You know, every year, Hope Worldwide takes up what we call a International Day of Giving. Now, this day was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but uh, this, is, this is an opportunity for us to invest in something that changes lives and advances God's kingdom. Hope Worldwide is the benevolent arm of our family of churches. And every year, they ask every member within our family of churches around the world to give $1 per week for the whole year. So they ask every member to give $52 a year. This helps fund Hope Worldwide and enable them to not just do so much good, but to help equip us to really live like Jesus more completely. Amen. And so we're going to next Sunday, we're going to take up this collection for the International Day of Giving. And what an appropriate time to do this right before the holidays, because I think it's really going to test and challenge our hearts and where we're invested. Okay, so we'll remind us again about this on Wednesday, but next week we're going to take up that collection and send it into Hope Worldwide. Amen? Amen. So brothers and sisters, let's not be motivated by people. Let's not be motivated by the junk of this world. Let's seek first all things kingdom. Next next week, Maurice Hook's going to be preaching. The following week, we're closing out our series here in Matthew chapter 7. Now, just as a, a warning, sometimes as a preacher, you want to end it on this inspirational, encouraging note. Jesus ends it on like a in your face, okay? Matthew 7 is intense. And we're gonna gonna dive into it to close out this series in a couple weeks. I would encourage us to be reading that and studying that out in our quiet times and getting our hearts ready, amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer before we close with one more song. Father, uh, God, we need you. God, I pray that we can really seek all things kingdom, that we would invest in the eternal, not in the earthly. God, that we wouldn't be driven to make... People like us, that we wouldn't be driven to even live righteously to make people happy. But God, that we would be driven just to please you. God, that we'd be driven to have a deep, intimate relationship with you. And whether or not we get recognition or credit for it, we don't care, God. We just we want to be right with you. God, I pray that we wouldn't fall into the trap of, of greed and of the, the, the stuff of this world motivating us. God, we, we know in our minds that The stuff of this world is not going to provide us with security. So I pray that we can get that into our hearts and that we can be invested in your kingdom. God, we love you and we need you. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, sing one more song. Parents, go get your kids.